Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Columbus is growing. Here at the Dispatch, we wanted to take a step back and look at what all this growth means. This program will explore the future of Columbus and Central Ohio. This is What's Next. Welcome back to another episode of the CBUS Next podcast. We are launching another installment of our series. This one we are focusing all on health and science. My name is Michelle Everhart. I'm the digital news editor here at the Dispatch, and I am joined by our science environmental reporter, Marianne Renault. And she um, wrote one of our stories this week about uh, all about climate change. Um, One of the more interesting parts of this that I found um, from her story says this. Models suggest Ohio summers will be as hot as Arkansas by 2095, an average temperature of about 91 degrees from June to August. That's going to attract new pests, species, and diseases to to our region. So, Marianne, tell us more what that's going to look like. What, What kind of species are going to be here? What kind are going to be pushed out? What What can we expect? So the thing with climate change to keep in mind is that we're talking about ecosystems heating up. We're talking about um, entire food webs changing, and animals um, have to response have to respond to higher uh, temperatures and other effects of climate change. So, in a very basic sense, you're going to see animals that are adapted to colder climates get pushed out. Um, so I I don't have a a lot of examples off the top of my head, but um, you know, in terms of when you look at Lake Erie. It'll be fish like lake trout, whitefish, walleye, yellow perch. Anything that's adapted to cold waters is going to find itself in a sort of unfavorable environment. And we'll see animals that are adapted to warmer climates start to sort of migrate north. And we've started to see that. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the story talks about um, that some of those include diseases or pests that do better in warmer climates. Uh, so... Yeah, it's it's I don't have any species off the top of my head, but you can just sort of generally think about that. Anything that is sort of in the south of the country, we can expect to start to creep northward. And it's also a matter of um, which animals can survive uh, other stresses on the environment, that some of which are related to climate change, some are totally separate. You know, we have um, issues with invasive species. We're going to have more storms. We're going to have, um, you know, more... Um, less cold winters. We also have, you know, more urban sprawl. So when you look down the road at what kind of animals are still going to be around or which ones will be new to Ohio, it's whichever ones can handle more heat and are more resilient to all of those different kinds of stresses. Okay. Um, you mentioned like Erie. We've heard a lot about to- toxic algae, especially there over the past few years. Um, it got so bad a few years ago that Toledo residents couldn't even drink the tap water. With climate change, are are the algae blooms likely to increase, and and how bad could it get? So, one Ohio State uh, water uh, aquatic ecologist told me that if the models that he's working with are right, we're going to see a doubling of the large blooms, like the one we saw in Toledo, and that kind of 
we can guarantee that they're going to become more prominent and they're going to become they're just going to become more of a fact of life than they are now. Um, that much is certain. A worst case scenario, Lake Erie, and this is really worst case scenario, um, it could be so choked by the algae and so um, lacking in oxygen that it becomes a dead zone. Um, but that's that's not likely to happen because there are options in terms of reducing the nutrients that get dragged into Lake Erie and cause um, and feed those blooms. Um, the, the big thing, the big connection between climate change and toxic algae is that um, the warmer water is more conducive to the, to the blooms. So it will get worse, but how much worse depends on more than just the climate. It also depends on pollution and, and runoff. Okay. Now, agriculture is number one industry in Ohio. How could climate change, what, what will climate change mean for farmers? Yeah, it will mean a lot. Um, and, and the effects that relate to agriculture will also mean a lot because agriculture is um, at its core an industry that it depends on, is at the mercy of whatever ecosystem it's in. Mm -hmm. So farmers are going to have to handle um, more severe droughts, uh, which means... Um, you know, they're going to have to rethink irrigation or what best practices are for irrigation. They're going to have um, those longer stretches, those longer dry stretches are going to potentially stress vegetation. So they might have to rethink what they plant, what can um, withstand long dry spells. And sort of on the total flip side, they're also going to be dealing with more intense um, bouts of rain. So that also is going to have an effect on their fields. Um, nights are going to get warmer and warmer. We're already starting to see that, which means that livestock and plants don't get to recover during the night. They don't get that cool stretch where um, they can they can cool off overnight. So that's expected to reduce grain yields. And it's expected to reduce the rate of milk and egg and meat production. Um, so there's going to be a lot of different... Um, things that farmers are going to have to think about. And it, one last one is similar to what we had this year. They're going to deal with those false starts to spring. Mm -hmm. You know, we had um, um, berries beginning to blossom and trees beginning to blossom way before um, the growing season started. And that's not always um, a, a problematic, but it can be if, for example, a fruit starts to grow and then it snaps back into winter. So there's going to be a lot of things for farmers to think about and to have to react to. And of course, that doesn't just affect farmers. That affects those of us who eat things from the farms, yeah. which is everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's going to affect your grocery bill and, and all of those kind of things. So it's not just, oh, those farmers have to worry about that. That's something we all are going to have to deal with. And that's something that really struck me in reporting this story is that with climate change, it's it's part of this narrative that I see a lot in my reporting of biodiversity dwindling. Mm -hmm. So in the future, as conditions become more extreme, you find animals, plants, crops, um, the ones that are going to survive are the hardiest. So we're sort of going towards more monoculture type, you know, ecosystems where there might be a handful of species that thrive and anything that is um, vulnerable or very sensitive to changing conditions might not survive. So for, for when you think about food production, I imagine that we'll see farmers start to pivot towards crops that are hardy, that mm -hmm. can resist all of this, and specialty items 
could get really expensive or might get more expensive because they will be much more difficult to actually grow. Absolutely. In your story, there were suggestions of what can be done to slow climate change. Can you give us some of those? Yeah, sure thing. So that, and that's um, another factor in all of this is that because climate change is... Um, reach is so broad and it feels so pervasive and in some ways inevitable, it can be very easy for um, everyone, you and me, to kind of check out. Uh, but, but researchers do say there are plenty of things we can do to slow it. We are uh, on the trajectory at a point in which we can't reverse. You know, There's mm-hmm. no way we can change some of these um, outcomes, but we can really slow things down. So things you can do, um, the easiest and kind of most obvious one is to reduce tailpipe emissions as much as you can. So um, whether that is when you buy your next car, considering electric or um, some kind of hybrid, using your car less, riding a bike, you know, maybe cutting down the number of times you get in your car in half and the other half you're opting for a bus or a carpool, biking, walking. Um, That's a really big one. Making your house as sustainable as possible, so LED lights, solar panels, composting. Um, Interestingly, food food waste is is a big issue for um, emissions because food produces methane Mm -hmm. when it breaks down, which is pretty noxious um, and harmful for the environment. So even just being more careful with your grocery and buying the exact amount of food that your household needs or buying um, goods that won't spoil, you know, so um, getting dried goods, uh, that can be actually really helpful too. Um, Let's see, and then there's just little things I think everyone kind of knows. When you can, get reusable bags, reduce the amount of plastic that you use with reusable water bottles or um, by, you know, recycling those plastic bags. There are... A lot of things that we can do. Okay. What did you find most interesting about reporting the story? Hmm. Um, I, I think it's, it's interesting. It's also scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that with all, of, with all of this, we're sort of, our, our, the entire global climate is kind of hurtling into some unknowns. So there are going to be thresholds that we're going to cross. We don't know when we're going to cross them or what's on the other side. There's going to be tipping points. Um, there could be times when we have multiple simultaneous extreme weather events and we don't know how that will affect infrastructure in cities. So there's this whole component of we're playing an experiment with the world and there are models that are getting more and more sophisticated and accurate, but... Um, you know, we don't really, there's there's some of this that's just impossible to predict because there's so many different variables. Um, and so, so that, to me, was really kind of interesting and scary, but um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what would you like people to, to take away from your story? Yeah, so there is, yeah, there's an actual phenomenon that's essentially climate change fatigue you know Mm -hmm. it's it can be very psychologically taxing to wrap your mind around all of this um and and i i think that um it's it's also hard because the effect of what we do today or don't do today will take 20 or 40 years to show up um and so the the scope of all of this is really broad but 
climate change is going to affect everything from labor conditions for people who work outside to um, the delays in airplanes to, I read something yesterday about how um, warmer winters and hot summers are actually making it so that rats are multiplying incredibly fast. So we're going to no, deal thank with... thank you. <laughs> so, so there's just all of these different ways in which climate change is going to permeate our lives. Right. And then at the same time, only about one in three Ohioans believe that climate change will harm them personally. So there's this sort of gap between um, the reality of it, which is we're not going to escape the effects of it, whether or not you believe that it's happening and that it's man-made. Um, so I, I hope that any readers, um, what they take away is that... Uh, believe it or not, you know, you're, you're going to feel the effects of this. So it is important that you engage with the best practices for slowing down the effects of climate change, that you read and just engage with it. Because even if you ignore it now, you're not going to be able to ignore it when, um, you know, when, when things really begin to get worse. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marianne, for joining us today. You can uh, check out all of our great content at cbusnext.com. You can give us feedback um, by emailing us at cbusnext at dispatch.com. You can also uh, fill out the form on our website and use the hashtag cbusnext. We will be back next week with another episode. Thanks so much. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.